we are really at a critical point in the information management industry with the maturation of artificial intelligence and automation. We know that our industry is going to shift. So I think by using foresight and before even putting pen to paper, writing down strategies and objectives, we actually spend the time to thoughtfully think about the change drivers in our space. My theory is that we will craft a new vision for this organization that prepares us for today, but also tomorrow. This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be an Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Tori miller Liu, President and CEO of the Association for Intelligent Information Management, or AIM. Hey, Tori, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So, Tori, tell us about AIM. Sure. AIM is actually an 80-year-old organization. We're celebrating our 80th anniversary this year. Amazing. We were founded in 1943 as a microfiche association. So we have actually been through several transformations to get all the way from microfiche to intelligent information management. So today we are the world's leading association dedicated to information management industry and its practice. And we help organizations improve their performance by transforming the way that they manage their information. And just to clarify, when I say information, I'm talking about both data and content. And so at large enterprises and really any enterprise, you need to have some governance and understanding of how do we collect and store and manage and take care of security and privacy and accessibility around information. It's the stuff that enables people to do their job successfully day in and day out. And there are, for many organizations, legal and ethical requirements around how they manage their information. We have members in government and law firms and healthcare and in nonprofits. So it runs the gamut, but the common denominator is everyone cares about how we're using our information as, as both an asset and as a requirement to be good stewards. Right, right. So it sounds like your members really worry about data content, but they're also worrying about privacy, security, and probably becoming data-driven. Very much so. I mean, they, I think they were data-driven before data-driven was a buzzword. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they've always been focused on not just the data, but content. And so content, we would define that as unstructured data. So it's what you might find in a contract, for instance, or an engineering blueprint. It's information that is still incredibly important to these organizations, 
but it may not be as easily mined as structured data that you would find in a database. So what positions in an organization become members of AIM? So record managers, for sure. Those are people who are absolutely dedicated to managing key important records for organizations. We also have CIOs in membership, IT professionals, data governance professionals, information governance professionals. It's kind of funny how I actually think that the semantics are becoming less and less important because they're becoming interchangeable. I mean, you might have an information governance administrator at one organization who's doing very similar work to what an information manager is doing or what a records manager is doing. So I would look past the title and actually look at the core responsibilities Ah. to see how they might fit within our organization and whether or not they would derive value from being a member. I was actually looking at the different benefits, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I thought, wow, I've got several positions at Matrix that would benefit from membership. So I have a, a director of software engineering, and he's not necessarily working with the data as part of his job, but he's working with the data as a result of his job, if that makes sense, because he's kind of in charge of development. Yeah. And we have to worry about like, how do we store the data? How do we make it accessible? And how do we protect the data? So he's a perfect candidate, right? I would say so. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, I, in my past career, I was a CIO and I knew about AIM before even being approached about this particular position. And I was interested for the exact same reason. No information management was not the core of my responsibility, but we were trying to get better at data privacy and data governance. And during a Google search, AIM popped up. Ah. We have a wealth of resources about how you leverage information and how you should take care of it. I have a funny story for you. So when I was a, oh gosh, I was maybe a sophomore or a junior in college. My summer job was to take boxes and boxes of materials from a mining company, prep the documents and microfiche them. (laughs) I spent the entire summer listening to my Walkman microfiching. And it was actually, it paid pretty well, but I was in this tiny windowless room. (laughs) And so the question is like, what the heck happened to all that microfiche and did that end up getting converted? So your people would know. Well, I have a funny story for you. When people ask me like, what was your first job or actually what was your least favorite job? My answer is always, I guess it wasn't technically my first paying job, but my least favorite job was transcribing surveys So I worked for this company over the summer that interviewed people for their clients. And then my job was to use a transcription machine, which I don't know if any of the listeners remember what that is, but I had to use a transcription machine and actually type it up. And so I'm, I'm so relieved that now there are AI empowered transcription services like we have on Zoom that you don't have to do that anymore because that was just a miserable eight hours every day. Wow. Yeah. Hey, before we get into the things that AIM is doing, let's talk about your journey to becoming president and CEO. So this is your first CEO assignment. It is, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. (laughs) You know, I, I was very happily on the CIO path. I was lucky enough to be the chief information officer at the American Speech Language Hearing Association, head of technology for the Global Cold Chain Alliance for many years. I worked with Association Analytics. And I I really feel very passionate about the technology community in the association space. So I I was very happily chugging along my way when I was approached about this position. And 
it just truthfully was a, a really great fit because it is a tech-focused organization that's really striving to reinvent itself and innovate and provide value to this incredibly vital space. So it just felt like a right fit. And frankly, the people are just awesome. They have such a love for what they do. They're generous. They're absolute techies. So it, it kind of felt like coming home in a lot of ways. Nice. I'm very fortunate to have a really great board of directors and executive committees that are mentoring me and helping me understand the industry and welcoming to me to the industry as well. Tori, you took over a couple months ago. What's it like to be CEO in your first 90 days? What are you working on? What are you focusing on? And how do you get to know the staff and the organization? I'm a huge fan of Cynthia Mills. She's my coach. And she describes it as a fire hose. And I, I think that's probably a pretty apt analogy. You're learning so much about the organization. There's going to be fires from day one that you have to figure out whether or not it's a priority, whether or not you can wait on it. How does everything fit in this larger puzzle? So I, I think it's a real gift if you have a staff like I do that really wants the organization to succeed and really wants me to succeed too. So they, they've been very generous with onboarding. I was actually also lucky enough that my predecessor, we overlapped by about a month. Oh, Peggy Winton did an amazing job of helping to onboard me and and that's a rare gift that a lot of CEOs I know don't get. That is a gift. Yeah. I was really lucky on, in that regard. And I've also even had conversations with Puggy's predecessor, John Mancini. So it's an organization with a very rich history and a lot of folks in the community who are very willing to share that history and answer questions and really help with my onboarding. So in addition to the staff and my predecessors, I have also been going on a 90-day listening tour. I think I'm getting close to about 50 people that I've talked to, and I'm actually thinking of doing a round two. And what does that look like? What does that mean to do a listening tour? Are you going around the country or are you doing Zooms? We're doing Zooms. AIM has actually been all remote since before the pandemic. So we're very comfortable, our members and our staff, with remote gatherings and exchanges. So it's literally been me setting up time with board members people who I would say maybe aren't huge fans of AIM, non-members, new members going around. And the questions I've been asking are, how do you explain information management to someone just out of undergraduate? Because oh. I think that's very telling about how people think about the industry. How do you explain it to a lay person, right? So what do you see as the value of AIM? What does AIM do well? What can we improve upon? Where do you think the industry is going to be three to five years from now? And what are the biggest risks and threats to AIM and its future? And, you know, throw in a couple other questions there. But those questions I have found to be really great at pulling out some key insights, both historical insights, but getting people to think about the future and explain where they see AIM fitting in their future. And I, I mean, I know you're very familiar being in web development and design with jobs to be done. I'm really interested in what is the job to be done when members or non-members look towards AIM? Mm. Your software engineer is a great example. What is the job to be done? What question do they need answered? And that should be directing our content, our value proposition, and our delivery. And so you're having these conversations. You're probably pulling out some key threads. And then who do you report this data to and what do you start to do with it? Oh, it's so funny that you asked that because probably like 20 conversations in, I was thinking to myself, it's stupid to just keep this all to myself. I, this 
this is great. Yeah. I've basically done a focus group. So I've been leaning on the fact that I'm still new enough that I feel like I can approach this exercise fairly objectively. I heard at ASA Great Ideas years ago that after 90 days, an employee is mostly indoctrinated and they've probably been taught the biases of the organization. So ah. I'm leaning into my newness to basically act like a consultant for AIM for a short period of time. So my thought is I will take this listening tour qualitative data and put it into an executive summary to share with staff, to share with our board of directors, and to share with our members in the space. Amazing. About AIM. And then it's actually going to help build out a current state assessment that I want us to do for our strategic planning effort anyway. So instead of having a strategic planning consultant come in and have to do member surveys and do all these conversations, it occurred to me, oh, well, I'm, I am doing that. Two birds, one stone. I needed to do this listening tour anyway as part of my onboarding and part of the way that I want to approach building relationships in the community. Why not use it for strategic planning and also to help our members and our leadership understand where we stand in the space and understand how our members and non-members perceive us. Tori, when I do branding and identity workshops for clients, I ask a lot of those questions. But one of my favorite questions is, how do you describe what you do or your organization to your mom, yeah. <laughs> to your neighbor at a barbecue, to a lawmaker, to an 11th grader, and to a 5th grader? Oh, that's great. There's a YouTube series that does that. Oh, they do? Like, how do you describe complex issues to different levels? Oh, oh, oh. I love that idea. You'll have to share it with me. But often the, this is how I explain it to a fifth grader. Like we were working with one organization. They had a database of the different government RFPs. And they said, well, this is how we explain it to a fifth grader. We tell them that we help government get the best work done at the best price. And I was like, that is just a brilliant... <laughs> you know, explanation of what you do. And like, but when you're explaining it to a lawmaker, it's all complicated and stuff. So anyway, that's what I do. And often we just get amazing results. That's amazing. I'm writing that down as an idea. I love that. One time we were doing work for the American Society of Naval Engineers and the executive director said, our members make the world's waterways safe for commerce and travel. And we were like, Oh my God, I got goosebumps. It was just really amazing. It was a succinct way of explaining it, but in an aspirational way. So that's kind of the stuff that you hope you get at some point out of these conversations. It's sort of the outcome of the five why exercise. Right, right. Why do you do that? And I, I think that I want to do that for AIM because I think it will help us clarify our purpose and our mission. So asking why over and over again, well, why do you help organizations improve their information management? Why is information management important? Why do organizations need to care about that? Why, 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 why? And then hopefully you get that level of clarity. And the volume of information and data and the tools to work with that, I mean, the volume is just exploding and that's got to be overwhelming for your members. Yeah, they call it... <laughs> Before I started, I've seen it referred to as the rising tide of information chaos, ah. which in one of my first blog posts, I said, I mean, I, I love that piece of writing, first of all, like that's just a beautiful phrase, but it also makes me think of the perfect storm or shipwrecks. And what I put in my post was that was a helpful phrase, but there is a balm to chaos and that's resiliency. Ah. And resiliency comes with foresight and focusing on our core mission and our purpose. So 
I think it's really fun to recognize crises in your space and chaos, and it certainly grabs attention. But to move forward, we have to focus on the next step. So let's talk about AIM. You all are doing some new and different things. You just launched a community. You're calling it the AIM Plus community and something called the AIM Plus Pro. So maybe talk to us about that and why is that important? This predates my tenure here at AIM. But a few years ago, we did launch a bespoke online community. And we also restructured our membership. So instead of having a single membership tier, we created two tiers. One where you can join at kind of a basic level to get access to this really robust community and a wealth of resources, white papers, et cetera. And that's membership as an individual. That's membership as an individual. And then a tier up from that, you get the community and the resources, and you get this really extensive library of online courses that are professionally produced, written by experts in our space about information management. That library combined with our white papers and infographics and webinars can help someone actually pass our certification exam. So if you're thinking about the customer journey there, it might be, ah. oh, I'm interested in information management. Let me join this first here. You know what? I really want to pursue that certification, but I need to learn more. So let me get the online subscription, which is AIM Plus Pro. And now let me sit for the exam. And hopefully by then we've welcomed you into our community and you've also found some peers in the space to create a network for yourself. Tori, tell us about the certification. So it's a certified information professional designation that you give. So why is that important? And how does all of this kind of lead to that? So we've had the certification program for quite a few years, almost 10, I want to say. And the reason that we think certification is important is because someone with that credential immediately an employer, future or current employer, will see that they have an understanding of the best practices around information management. So someone who's able to pass that certification understands that the key pillars of information management, which includes records management, but also business process, business process analysis, and includes security and privacy. And so they understand the full life cycle of information and I think have actually a very strategic, valuable perspective that can help an organization not just manage what's typically a mess, right? Like usually yeah. all of us have the databases and the servers that we've treated like addicts for many, many years. And it's a little dusty. And we're hoarding data as part of the problem too. Yes. Hoarding data and information in emails and everywhere else. So these professionals... I think are equipped to not just recognize that as a mess that needs to be cleaned up, but repurpose that chaos to be an asset to the organization and to be data-driven, to be information-driven, I would prefer to say, since it encapsulates the unstructured and the structured data. I think of CIP as a credential that's a strategic credential more than anything else. So I'm thinking about the employers who would look for someone with that designation or maybe help a staff member get that designation to help them really deal with all this information and data. And it's making me think that the landscape that you operate in is probably very, very different today than it was 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you, you're a new CEO, landscape is different. You're doing some new strategic planning. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I was hired 
with the understanding that the board wants a new strategic plan within my first year. So ah. that's a great, great incentive to do the listening tour. We're going to be doing a current state assessment to really map the market, to do a slot analysis, a target audience analysis, you name it. It's probably going to end up in that current state assessment. But then as part of that, we also want to look at our strategic planning with two specific lenses. One is a foresight first lens. And I know in the association community, we've been talking about foresight for many years, and there's some really great thinkers around foresight like Jeff Takanya. But what I like about it is we are really at a critical point in the information management industry with the maturation of artificial intelligence and automation. We know that our industry is going to shift. So I think By using foresight and before even putting pen to paper, writing down strategies and objectives, we actually spend the time to thoughtfully think about the change drivers in our space. My theory is that we will craft a new vision for this organization that prepares us for today, but also tomorrow. I want to be the association for tomorrow, not the association for today. I want to have a sustainable business model so that 80 years from now, we'll be celebrating our 160th anniversary, you know? Mm. So that's really key for me. The other really key thing is a people first lens. I want us to be an association for members by members. And very honestly, we've probably gotten away from that in the past few years, focusing on other priorities. I'd like to shift that focus back to raising our members up as thought leaders and subject matter experts in the space, to giving more recognition to the folks who pass our certification exam, more recognition to our really wonderful, valuable volunteers, and just generally making sure that for any program or idea that we have, we're always either looking at the data or even better talking to the members directly. Collaboratively developing new programs with members is a huge win in my book, or even just running a random idea by a member. We're small enough that I think we can have that level of collaboration. There are a lot of associations that complain about being perceived as the ivory tower or cut off. And I don't want us to be that. I don't want people to view us as the wizard behind the curtain or the ivory tower, whatever analogy you want to throw at it. Mm. I want them to view us as a partner and someone who lifts them up. A partner and a sponsor. Let's be that. That'd be great. (laughs) And a guide. And a guide. Yeah. So it sounds like in your first year... You are going on a listening tour. In your first six months, you have an annual conference coming up in April. Yep, in New Orleans on April 25th to 27th. Right, and you've got a strategic plan to complete. So you have a big year ahead of you. Tori, I hope that you will come back in a year and tell us about your first year and all the amazing things you're doing at AIM. I would love to. I hope, I'm sure this journey will have bumps and successes, and I hope that my journey can benefit others. Folks can learn from it just like I learned from other folks' journeys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. 
please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye!